and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Back. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm fe- I feel like we, uh, we let some stuff out of the bag before we started recording, which we usually don't do. But we have our guest here. We started talking about nerdy movies and stuff. And, yeah. and, and we were like, we were going and our, and our guest was quite rightly like, hey, shut up. Let's hit yeah, record. That's, that's podcast fodder right there. Yeah, that's what it is. So, that's what it is. So that's how I am. How are you? I'm doing all right. I, I do have all kinds of things to talk about. Yeah, well, the first thing we want to talk about, look, we have a sponsor. So we we'll do, get, yeah. We'll get to that. But mm-hmm. the first thing we want to talk about is the premium episode. Indeed. Uh, which we recorded a week ago at, this, at the time of this recording. Uh, I'm still giddy. Absolutely. I'm, I'm yeah. still on a high from how great and fun that was. We've already gotten some comments on the yeah, Facebook getting, page. Getting some how, good feedback. Yeah, how, how funny it is. So, um, basically, uh, you guys should buy it. It's only a buck twenty nine, and we're doing it in lieu of a donation drive this year. So yeah. it's this is our donation drive thing. And if if it, if if we make a little bit of uh, scratch for the show off of it, we'll do we'll do more of them with more of your favorite guests. And I will throw out there, uh, I've gotten a couple of of people asking. Uh, will we be selling it on iTunes, and uh, will we will we be putting it on Bandcamp? Uh, I looked into both. Uh, iTunes that is a non-starter because they take a lot of <laughs> yeah. Of our the, money. the part point is that we need to <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. make some money to keep the show afloat. This isn't going into our pockets. Right, this is no, going this... into fees for you know hosting and and stuff like that, and then and uh, keeping as, well as many as... episodes available to you guys as possible is another big thing. Yes, and also other things. You know, we go to comic-con we bring you coverage from right. from places like that so uh you'll need some we, we need to pay for that so and then as far as Bandcamp, i looked into that now it's actually it looked like a pretty good uh idea but uh unfortunately that is more for songs and things that are say 10 minutes or under i tried to upload my hour our hour and 15 minute episode and it said uh file too large you'll have to break it up into segments which i is also a non-starter yeah no. Good so point. it's gonna have to be this process until i find something maybe something a little better so when you buy it it'll send me an email and i think i've been pretty good i get people the uh, the episode within an hour so right there you go Okay, so yeah, do that. Um, it's not only that it helps us; it's that the ep- the episode is really good. It is, and and if you go to battleshipretention.com and click on the uh, the skyscraper ad on the side, it'll take you to the post where you can where you can buy it. But you can also listen to an eight minute sample just to get a just to get a general yeah, idea fun. of it. That's fun. So, um, so let's get. Uh, uh, also, when you do listen to the Build Wire episode, you should do so with tweakedaudio.com earbuds, uh, and you should get those earbuds, which are professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors at a low, low price. You get those by going to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, and what you get for putting that little extra effort in is you get one-third off in free shipping. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You got that down to a science. That's. I just like that you get it out of the way. Okay. Uh, all right. So to our sponsor, hit exclamation point. I always feel the need to emphasize that it's there. Hit. Does it say I always feel the need to emphasize it there on the copy? I've written it in. Yes. <laughs> hit is the debut comic book from Gentleman Baby Comics, an independent publishing company based in Tallahassee, Florida. Issue one finds Connor Connolly, right-hand man of vicious crime boss Patrick O'Reilly, dispatched from his hometown of Boston to Hot Springs, Arkansas. The job? Kill two anonymous targets living in a suburban home. But when the time comes for Connor to pull the trigger, he realizes all is not as it seems. Support creator-owned comics by visiting GentlemanBabyComics.com and getting a physical copy for $5 or a digital copy for $3. Like Gentleman Baby Comics on Facebook for more information and updates. Uh, I have uh, read the comic book, and I enjoy it quite a bit. So 
It's got a personal endorsement from me as well. There that's, you go. That's there you have ch- it. That's free of charge, guys. I so. have it. It is at my desk at work, which is a weird place for it to be. Yeah. But it ended up in my tote bag. Oh, indeed. Yeah. And I uh, took it out <laughs> at work to read, and I haven't read it because mm-hmm. I'm at work. Yeah. And I don't read comic books at work. <laughs> You're you're a professional. You got to no, tie in everything. I will, I will read it on the next time I have a break. Work's been work's been nuts lately. Mm-hmm. So um, we have a guest, as I uh, alluded to mm-hmm. earlier. Would you like to introduce our guest? Sure. Okay. So, David, you can't throw a rock without hitting this guy uh, online. But uh, so I first heard him on uh, on the Paul Goebel show, and I enjoyed him there. And then. David, you may recall that we had Alex Berg on the show. I do recall having uh, Alex a while ago. It was a blast. Whom I had seen at the Tournament of Nerds at the aforementioned Comic Con. At Comic Con, uh, is that what you're doing now? You're just going to do it with everything. I don't. I already. No, you say Comic Con, but now you've now you've clicked over, and I now think you're doing there's that. Stuff, there's stuff that I pronounce in normal life. That I, there's stuff that I pronounce correctly on the show. Okay. That I'm, so I'm more obnoxious in normal life than I am on the show. If you can, if if you can imagine, I can't with the with the mis- mispronunciation. Suddenly, it's I'm I'm very excited that I never see you outside of the show anymore. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so and our guest uh, today was uh, also one of the uh, one of the champions at the tournament of nerds, and. Also, I don't remember how I stumbled on this, but I found a, a, a series of hilarious YouTube videos uh, featuring a noted, noted Star Wars character, Admiral Akbar, and and that's when I just and I laughed. And here's the thing: I forced it on my friends to such an extent that they're like, "Look, it's funny, but it can't possibly be as funny." And she's like, "No, it is as funny as I think it is." <laughs> and uh, but that's when I decided, like, you know. Why has this guy never been on the show? So we decided to get him on. It's Asterios Coconuts. Thank you guys so much for having me. Wow. I feel like I just heard my eulogy. <laughs> That's great. Thank you for inviting me. This is, this is so much fun to be down here. Thanks for You mean up here? <laughs> up here, wherever. There, there's no way you live north of here. <laughs> I, I don't know you what is I here. came down from Ventura County. <laughs> you could live in Bakersfield, perhaps. <laughs> I don't think. Can you? Is that really? <laughs> if you call that living, <laughs> I do not. No way. And that's, of course, where I'm from originally. So there we go. Well, so you know, you're not exactly. Yeah. You left there Hold as on. soon as you could. I believe you are not from Bakersfield. Wait, I was born in Bakersfield. We lived oh. in Taft, California. I thought you were born in Taft. No, no, no. Okay. Are you like a big Bakersfield? Like, are you going to correct him on his Bakersfield usage too? No, I just didn't want him to sell Taft short. <laughs> uh, not possible. <laughs> not possible. As I've said before, there was a movie called The Best of Times mm-hmm. with Kurt Russell and Robin Williams, and it takes place in Taft. The characters live in Taft, and uh, the basic story is how all of these characters hate Taft and want to leave. Oh, wow. They shot it in Taft, and the, the, the council and all that, the Chamber of Commerce, if there is such a thing, could not be happier to have this this <laughs> movie there, even if the movie uh, just bashed the town. There's like, we're just happy to have your money, because the oil the oil's drying up. Now, hold on. Let oh, me, no! <laughs> let me catch the listener in, in the studios up on... Please. Okay, so you, were in, you lived in Taft, best of times. Then, mm. eventually, you made your way to Nixon, Missouri... Which, as we learned in the Bourne supremacy, is where Jason Bourne is from. That is the home of Jason Bourne, Nixon, Missouri. You yes. can't stop being. You can't stop living in places that are obscurely referenced in movies. Well, and I lived in Denver, 
and there I can't are think of many there, several things, things you can do. There are many things you can do there when you are dead. My next door neighbor Indeed. catered that film, incidentally. Oh, um, and, and then now dead. And I knew the now cater- dead. <laughs> I knew the caterer that catered on Babylon Five. All right, From the entire run. Yes, and he <laughs> good gig. And he uh, he would always wear his Babylon Five jacket to sure. to work, and I and I was like. How much for that jacket? And he was like, oh, absolutely not. <laughs> and I was like, ah, oh, goddamn, I need this jacket. When I take when I take my dog out uh, every every night before bed, I throw on my uh, Beowulf crew hoodie. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was a PA on Robert Zemeckis' Beowulf. Oh, wow. It was one of my first jobs on a movie. How, many, how much time did you spend looking at Angelina Jolie's digital bottom? <laughs> I didn't I, work... Uh, I heard that like hundreds of man. I literally heard this like heard that like hundreds of man hours were put into crafting the digital bottom. I'm sure I only worked on the I guess what you would call production, the actual motion capture. Once the actors were done, I was done. Oh, okay. Because um, so I was, he saw the live action. It was right there, right in front of him. <laughs> but that's not as much fun as the the perfect uh, digital representation with of it. The weird tail, yeah. They had. Uh, <laughs> Uh, my, my my job had to do with they tried to they did a thing on Beowulf. I'm not sure if this is something they still. I'm not sure how they do eye movement in motion capture now. Mm-hmm. But in 2005, um, you know, one of the big complaints about Polar Express had been like the dead eyes. Yeah. You know? So they had this thing. Um, I can't remember. It was called like EOG or something, where they had sensors. Uh, I'm putting my fingers on the top and bottom of each of my eyes that went to uh, a, a pack, a little sort of like uh, personal, like a palm pilot, essentially, yeah. that was on their mocap suit and would send the signal. So there was a whole other computer just receiving signals of eye movements. And so my whole job on on Beowulf was to make sure before every, uh, every take that everyone's pack was... Everyone who was in the volume, which is what they call the area where they capture motion capture, um, that everyone's pack was transmitting their eye movements. That was my job. So it meant being very much up close and personal because it's on the so. But no, here's the thing. Oh my god! No, Angelina Jolie was only on. She wasn't on the movie very long because she's not in a whole lot of the movies. Yeah. She was only there a few days. Uh, but they changed the rules when she was there. They were like, only female PAs can touch her EOG. Aww. You can't be. They didn't even want me to uh, be fair, don't, in the uh, volume when she was there. Those female PAs, I mean, not to be sexist, but they don't know how to run the EOG. <laughs> <laughs> no, there were, uh, there, there were two. Uh, in my crew of people, there were uh, two of us were female, and they did a great job. You would, um, Okay, just to be fair, though, we can both agree that you would have done a better job. Yeah, that's of course that, you would have. That's that's for sure. Yeah, case closed. <laughs> you should have gotten a touch of butt. It, it, it would have been. Her. What's the point of being paid seventy five dollars a Calm day? Down. It wouldn't have been her rear. It would have been her chest. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's where the pack was. Oh my god! You could have had your own personal Gia right there. <laughs> Holy mo- wait. I want to see. Did you keep any of that hot, sexy EOG eye movement footage? <laughs> no. I want to see Angelina Jolie's eyes darting left to right, <laughs> looking at a ping pong on a stick. <laughs> I want it. That's that should be yeah. the premium. That should be the next premium. <laughs> EOG just, data. Just stuff we smuggled out of the various jobs we've had over the years. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just have outtakes from that uh, straight to DVD. Watchmen mockumentary that uh, that Wait, my boss directed. What mockumentary? Yeah. You, okay. So you know the uh, in the comic book Watchmen, there was a 
a book written by Hollis Mason uh, Under called the Hood. Under the Hood. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> because they couldn't do anything uh, that that was in the comic book, they couldn't leave anything undone. So they did the they did the the animated version of uh, Tales of the Black Freighter, right? But then they also did a mockumentary, which you can find as a special feature on Tales of the Black Freighter, and it is a it is a, a mockumentary of Under the Hood because they're not going to just translate a book because right. that's weird. So they did it as a, in a documentary format, and uh, and I worked for the company that did uh, post production for Watchmen, and the my boss was responsible for doing the the. The mockumentary. Now, when you, usually when I hear mockumentary, I imagine like funny. Was this serious or was it? It, like, it was serious. It's oh, mockumentary okay. because so it's well, because it's not people mocking. Are, I guess that's where the funny comes in. Is the mock? It, what, what you have there is a, a faux documentary. A faux documentary, yeah. I guess. Yeah. So so when faux, so when well, there was not documentary because that would be about folk singers. Indeed. Oh, no question. And I'd love to see that. Oh, and a mighty a mighty wind is, a, is a perfect example. Is a mock documentary. A folk mockumentary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but j- I just want to make sure. So. So that scene where like those gentlemen with not top hair are mm-hmm. beating Hollis Mason to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, there not wasn't Hollis. like it was whoopsie like there wasn't like wah, 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 wah. like there wasn't any like whoopsie like no 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 jokes. It wasn't a mockumentary. Well, I'll say this first off, that would not have been in the book. Come on now, but uh, nor would have been in the in the documentary either. But it was in the director's cut, and it's uh, not not the not funny the go- not the goofy stuff, and yeah. they. Incorporated music from uh, from Raging Bull, and by the way, that scene that got cut because mm-hmm. I saw the director's cut when I was working at the at the uh, company. Um, that scene that got cut is by far better than any other scene in the movie that oh, got left wow. in. Wow! So, but is except for maybe cut, that opening sequence, the director's cut is available. It's right? available. You okay. can you can find it. I'm sure. Yeah. So now, that movie. Oh, I'm sorry. I hate to, I, is, please, you're the guest. I like that movie so much. Hmm. Uh, but I agree that it's a bad movie. Like, <laughs> if anyone's ever like, if anyone like, every time I'm like, oh, I, I really enjoyed Watchmen, and they're like, they're like I hated. I'm like, yeah, I know, I know you hated it. It's not. But I just like the idea that someone transcribed this book. I like, like <laughs> dialogue that does not work at all. Like, I remember like there was a scene where I laughed out loud where like. Uh, where the night owl's like, whatever happened to the American dream? <laughs> and then the comedian goes, it came true. <laughs> and it's, it was, I was underplaying that in my delivery. I should have been night owl. Like, it's so grating, but I love, oh man, when they open up and all of a sudden you see the McLaughlin group, uh-huh. I thought that was so funny. I really like, I genuinely like that. It's. I know what you mean because I also don't think it's a good movie. But actually, just like less than two weeks ago, I was in a hotel room uh, waiting for my girlfriend to get ready to go out to dinner. Turn on the TV. Watchmen was on. I watched it for like forty minutes. I don't even like the movie very much, but it's <laughs> well. That's completely watchable. I think that speaks to the just how good the book is. Is you cannot. In the same way that now I know that you like Les Misérables. I'm not a huge fan. The the, the movie. most recent uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, musical. Um, the uh, I'm not a huge fan of it, but I do like the the original musical. And it's like it takes there's some stuff it's it's so good that it would take a lot to ruin it. Like <laughs> I don't know if there's ever been a bad adaptation of a Christmas Carol, right? Because there's so much inherent power in that story, and all you got to do is not 
not do too many things counter to it, and and you've got it because the structure is so solid of that. It's like it, that's actually funny because like when you're adapting the Christmas Carol, you have your beginning, middle, and end. Oh yeah, like you absolutely. It's like you you have your arc. You have that's a really good point. That might be the easiest thing to adapt and modernize ever as opposed to like Shakespeare. Like I hear much ado about nothing is good. Like I don't got to be plus today on the AV club. Uh, you know, but it's like, there's been so many terrible Shakespeare adaptations, but it's like, you know, just take any actor. Like, let me look at, uh, like, you know, uh, Joe, pa- I'm looking at the matrix. Like Joe Pontiliano is a dick in the beginning and he's super nice at the end. <laughs> like, how hard is that? <laughs> yeah. And I saw the, uh, the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol. Oh, and again, I went- Zemeckis. Yeah, 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 yeah. indeed. Yes. Yeah. And so I went in. When I first saw the trailer for it, I was like, oh, they ruined it. They managed to ruin a Christmas Carol. <laughs> and then I saw the movie, and I saw it not... I didn't really want to see it. I was visiting my brother in Denver, and he was doing, like, uh, a project on his house, and his son was kind of in the way, for lack of a better term. And so I said, oh, well, I'll take... I'll there take, could be I'll no worse him. term than the term you just used. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my uh, nephew was annoying me. I could have I... said unwanted. <laughs> Fair enough. But anyway, uh, so I said, uh, how about this? I'll get him. I'll go take him to a movie and then you can work on. And he said, that, that'd be great. So I, there was nothing really else that he could see. Oh, no. So we saw A Christmas Carol. And uh, the power of that story comes through. It doesn't matter how ridiculous some of the uh, animated sequences are. Uh, it doesn't matter the shoehorned, uh, uh-huh. not funny jokes. <laughs> the power of the story is still there, and so it's still a solid B. But that I, opening I sequence... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, the opening sequence, that was terrifying. When, like, Jim Jim Carrey as Ebenezer Scrooge steals pennies off a dead guy's <laughs> eyes. Yeah, that's a little... Creepy. That's how the movie... Oh, this is the first thing in the movie. It's like, Scrooge is going to steal... A dead guy's money. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't see this one. But here's here's the thing. You're talking about these these sequences. Because I understand, okay, he did the Polar Express, which is all of like 10 pages or whatever. So I understand why he has to add the part where you follow the ticket blowing through the wind for 12 fucking minutes or whatever. (laughs) But the Christmas uh, Christmas Carol is already... A whole story. Mm-hmm. Like, why does he need to add I think these he's, sequences? I, I hear he took a lot of shit out of the books. I hear that like, it's super duper it? faithful to the book. No, oh, I'm I used a lot of. I like. I, see. I hear what he decided to do. Did, did you hear this too? Like, what he decided to do was was show you stuff that was in the original story that like no one had ever seen. Yes, including the sequence where uh, Scrooge looks outside, and you know, you think you see Marley with the chains. Well, and in the original story, and I had not, I didn't read it until after I saw this movie. And, uh, and so Scrooge looks outside and is suddenly made aware of all of the ghosts, ghosts like Marley, who are haunting the world. And so he sees dozens, if not hundreds of them on the streets with some of them with just a few chains, some of them just totally bogged down. And that has never been represented in any film. And so... That's but because of the nature of this being animated, they could do it. And it's creepy as hell, and it's huh. great and really effective. The sequence, however, when he is uh, being chased comically by the uh, Ghost of Christmas Future, I do not recall that being in the book. <laughs> and that I feel like they're trying to. I think they're. Tr- I think because they're ostensibly gearing it towards kids, and the Ghost of Christmas Future is frightening, I think they're trying to diffuse that a little bit and make it more. Uh, 
more just thrilling rather than scary for mm-hmm. for children. So that's I, my theory. I'm guessing that someone along the way was like, "We got Jim Carrey here. We got to. It's got to be funny." Well, you got Jim Carrey, you're not going to have him doing jokes? Well, what's the point of having Jim Carrey? Like some <laughs> idiot saying something like that that and ruins... That voice. Uh, hey! <laughs> welcome to my studio. I'm Jim Paramount. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ruin a movie for you today? That's one of my favorite jokes is uh, is naming the, f- like, the owner of the company. Just like I remember... Uh, Coming up with a man named Henry Blockbuster, oh yeah, who who just who would always show up. It, I, I worked at Blockbuster for a while, so I would make at this scenario with my friends where something terrible happens and there's hijinks, and then a, a helicopter lands at the end. And this guy comes out in a tuxedo. And he says, "My name is Henry Blockbuster, and I demand to know what the hell is going on here." That's sort of like well, the Children's Hospital essentially did that because oh, okay. it's founded by it's 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 founded by someone named Arthur Children's, and yet it is actually a children's hospital. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite one of those I've ever, I think I was like, my name is Roy TGI Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> like it isn't. So when you boil things down, there are like four jokes yeah. that we tell over and over again. Yeah. Like it's just, like I remember like a long Leanne Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> my name. Name is Rutherford B. Linens and Things. <laughs> okay, so mysterious. So I'm glad we're we're warmed up again because we were talking about movies and then we had to put the brakes on and do our ads and stuff. And I was afraid that you brakes on uh, those gas the car that is the show. These people should be lucky. You guys are still doing this after so many years. I you, hope they purchase like, your premium. Oh, they absolutely should. I'm saying for you, we were having a good conversation and we made you be quiet for five minutes. So uh, I, was, but I could we're use back, the break. We're back into the uh, into the swing of things. Uh, so let's find out a little bit, uh, 20 minutes in, let's find out a little bit about you. Sure. Where are you from? Uh, I'm originally from Long Island, New York. Okay. I'm from a town that was founded in 1640 and is still like, like Proud of super that? tiny. Oh yeah. It's it the only be. thing we have to be, br- <laughs> we're ashamed of so many things. <laughs> um, like, uh, like, uh, we, uh, you know, uh, my high school was like 30, Nine kids were in my. I graduated in class like thirty nine kids, like super duper. I guess you're from small town America too, like super small town, and uh, and yeah, you know, I, I I got out of there as soon as I could. Uh-huh. And I, I'm like you, and I get Tyler, and I came. Uh, I went to Boston, and I went to New York for a while in L. A. So you know, uh, but I'm a New Yorker. Okay. Um, how long have you been in Los Angeles? I love to ask people about Los Angeles. A decade. I've been a out decade? here a decade. And it shows that my face is a map of the world. <laughs> like, I was hanging out in Phoenix, uh, and I was, doing the, I was doing a comedy show at the Phoenix Comic Con, and I was on a podcast uh, there, too, and I was being interviewed by these guys, and I was, like, giving them advice, and I was, like, you know, being chummy with them. I was like, stay hanging there, kids. And then, like, and then I, I don't know why, but their ages came up. And, like, one of them was 37, one of them was 35. <laughs> they, were, they were both older than me. Uh, and they looked like my nephews, and like <laughs> that is what living in LA does to you. Like, like two hours a day, if you're lucky, an hour, an hour there, and an hour back, you are trapped in a box that is filled with carbon dioxide. <laughs> and, and like, and there's of course the uh, just the general stress of worry oh. and feeling like you've made a bunch of wrong choices. Yes, and you're disappointing choice. your family uh-huh. and all that sort of thing. Can I say that, like, oh yeah, I think. The, um, 
I, I've said this a million times on the show, but uh, I was and I was warned before I moved out here that Los Angeles is a bit of an acquired taste because uh, it did take me, as I often said, about a year and a half to like it here. But part of it was figuring it out because what you're talking about, Tyler, is absolutely true. People are very stressed out here a lot of the time, but they make it look <laughs> like they're laid back because it's in the sun and it's yeah. California. And yeah. so I had trouble getting into that. So now I know, like, okay, so I need to wear my sunglasses and put my arm out the window and act like I'm enjoying the drive. But really, all I'm doing is reassessing my failures and, and how much and time I have them. left to make something of myself. <laughs> well, and yeah. perhaps perhaps if we uh, wore our stress on our sleeve, maybe people wouldn't come out here so readily and we'd have fewer people to compete with. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, but, uh, yeah. but there's that New York thing. It's it's I know what you're saying, but it's kind of like two sides of the same coin because there's that New York thing too where you're like, I work like I work fourteen hour days and I'm here to live it. I'm I'm tough. Like you know, yeah, I'm stressed. Of course, I live in New York. If you can make it here, you yeah, you can make right, it anywhere. Right. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it's just like you know, you're miserable. And but especially if you're trying to get into entertainment, it's like you're miserable in both places. <laughs> and like you're poor in both places. And but it's like that's where you got to be. Mm-hmm. Like why well, not anymore though? Like when I was younger. Like, there wasn't YouTube. Like, there wasn't, like... Sure. You couldn't be, like, an internet comedian, like, that would get the attention of people. So, like, I remember, like, after graduating from college, I was like, well, New York or L.A., I guess they make more TV shows in L.A. Uh-huh. I'd rather live in New York, but the odds of me getting a job... And, like, I immediately got a job on Mad TV. Like, so, uh-huh. you know, it, it worked out. Like, um, you know, at the time, I think there were, like, five TV shows that shot in New York. You know, uh, and now without Law and Order, there's four. <laughs> so, um, you know, but it's uh, it's kind of like, yeah, you're you're fucked no matter what. But now I live in Redondo Beach, really, uh, in Los, which which is like on the outskirts, like an hour, hour yeah. and a half out of Los Angeles, and it's so chilled out. Yeah, I um, I, um, I actually got um, my dog in Redondo Beach. You have must have a very chilled out dog. What's that? Is your dog super chilled out? He can be. When 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 you want to play, he wants to play. But when you want to watch watch TV, he's just gonna lay on the couch. That's so redondo of your dog. <laughs> That's how we do that. People come to me and they're like, "Do you want to play?" I'm like, "Absolutely, I do." <laughs> Man, I'll chase whatever they throw. But I love naps. <laughs> that is that is my dog. You have. All the characteristics of my dog. <laughs> Me and your dog can, can I, Is your dog on Facebook? <laughs> I want to hang no, out. He should be. Yeah, I should. I should be one of those guys who starts a, a Twitter for my dog or whatever. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Twitter, I tell you my my favorite thing, and I'm certainly not the first person to say this, but uh, uh, '80s Don Draper. Have you guys? Oh, I have read not. that. No, it is. Every once in a while, you run it's it not unlike uh, modern Seinfeld or whatever. I don't remember where it's just right. It's just spot on. I don't know what what is this. It's it's basically Don Draper pitches things from the eighties. A blog? It's or a it's a Twitter. It's account. just a Twitter. Oh, Twitter. That's, Twitter. That's it. Okay. So it's just a little one. It's just a little one sentence thing. And in doing so, he they point out just the. Sometimes the ridiculousness of things from the 80s, but also just things in the 80s made ridiculous by the way he pitches them as the most serious thing. <laughs> like uh, the one I retweeted recently was, was if Rome is the if America is the new Rome, then shouldn't we have our own gladiators and just <laughs> and just stuff like that. And it's just the, oh, everybody. If you take nothing away from this. Uh, it's purchased that premium episode. Yeah, After that, that, it's follow 80s Don Draper. It is a delight. That's a, oh man. I love 
the parody account TNG season nine. Okay, it's uh, it's just it, I it came before Modern Seinfeld. It's just like two line pitches of what like a next generation episode would be had they gone a ninth season. Right. You know, so so it'll be like uh, I'm trying to think of what a good example of one would be. You know, you know, you know, but it'll be like uh, you know, Worf uh, Worf talks about his honor way too much, and uh, Jordy LaForge and Data get upset when they get beaten on the holodeck by uh, like holographic versions of the the 87 the the uh the the you know the dream team or like this right. is like all these jokes i you had one ready i'm so sorry. you were well God, that's you why did i even go in i shouldn't have even tried do you remember i'm not as funny as this twitter account i never will be this is a great twitter you guys want to you guys want to Get these Twitter guys on instead of me. I'll leave. <laughs> I'll understand. Uh, no, because we. You, you got. Guys, you've got an internet presence that we'll talk about in a minute. But okay. uh, David, you, go ahead. Um, this was a few years ago. Now, someone or a group of people were tweeting as the characters from Studio Sixty. Oh, that's Sunset still happening. Is that still going on? Yeah, I talked over what you. You should say what it is. I talked over. St- what. It started like four years after the show ended. And it's a bunch of Twitter accounts that are the characters from Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip. And they're tweeting like they're real. And they're tweeting about, like, getting ready for the show. And, like, so, like, on a Saturday night or whatever, it's all, like, frantic about, like, the show happening. <laughs> it's so no, bizarre. It's, it's crazy. They wrote about this in the New York Times. Like, um, <laughs> I first learned about it there. Uh, like, comedians in New York are dedicated to playing these characters and they will tweet each one of them as a different person like so Danny Tripp and Matt Alby and uh president of NBS uh whatever her name is Amanda Pete yeah Amanda Pete like uh you know and they, and because like it's so funny Stu, I would watch Studio 60 every week at Mad TV like <laughs> I had two friends of mine and they would come over and we would watch carpoolers and cavemen and Studio 60 in a rock block. <laughs> and it was, it was, TV was so bad. Like for a brief shining moment, TV was the worst it had ever been. <laughs> and we were watching it in the offices of like the worst TV show we knew about. And <laughs> TV, it was so great. <laughs> like, like I worked there for four years. I was the researcher, the staff researcher. And this was before YouTube. So, there weren't you couldn't just find whatever you wanted it was like if there was a commercial on like say the rubber band man from staples the rubber band man you had to go to what e-bombs world if you were lucky you could find online what you had to do was tape hours of television and then and then fast forward through it look for the rubber band man commercial and fast forward through it so i so there we had so many vhs cassette tapes that I had to have my own office. So I was like 20 years old. I had my own office. And like we just turned it into like our straight up party pad. Me and my friend. <laughs> I would take naps under the desk. Seinfeld style. Sure. I would legitimately do it. It was so great. Um, like so unlimited snacks. And like all the sandwich meats in the world. It was so like for four seasons. I like I. It was it was like I was in co- like immediately after I left college. It was like 
double college. <laughs> um, but uh, that you get paid for. That's the amazing thing. Yeah, I got paid. But I later found out super poorly for <laughs> like a serious staff position because um, I was right out of college. Like I didn't know what to do. <laughs> I was like, "Ooh, that sounds great!" Like you know. Um, so how did you get into comedy? Oh, I got into comedy when I was fourteen. Uh, I just since I was a baby, like a. In kindergarten, I knew I wanted to be a comedian. Hmm. Uh, like I knew I wanted to be like a baseball player or a comedian. And then, like I, I'm not phys- I could not throw th- things far. Uh-huh. Or like when a girl, like a girl, beat me in arm wrestling in second grade. I was just like, I can't. This is really bad. <laughs> like I remember, like I was arm wrestling Melissa Sternzinski, <laughs> and like she was like, Oh, you're clearly letting me win. And like everyone was like, Oh, you're you're letting you're letting her win. And then, like, they noticed on my face, like, I was trying as hard as I could <laughs> to beat Melissa Sirenzinski, and I just could not do it. And I remember, like, as she pinned me, like, my hand getting closer and closer to the desk, and, like, my dream of doing anything physical <laughs> getting farther and farther away. And now you and Melissa are happily married. Oh, absolutely. We have two kids. One is a huge pussy, <laughs> and the other one beats the shit out of the first one. Uh, sorry, Kyle. Uh, hey, Melissa Jr. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah I, I always wanted to do comedy and so i when i was 14 i wrote my first comedy piece uh and you know i wrote for the school newspaper i turned into like a comedy newspaper essentially like by the time i left it was like another the onion uh-huh. uh which like people were pretty happy about because like you can't read the school newspaper the school newspaper is like our soccer team is great <laughs> we have a great soccer team Hey, we have a new... Who's your favorite sub? I like Mr. Willis. <laughs> Sound off. And then we'll publish your letter three months from now. We publish the next issue of the school newspaper. Uh, so, yeah, I started writing comedy for that, and I just never, ever stopped. <coughs> so, let's talk about uh, what people... I mean, you have, you have more than just... There's more available of you on the internet than just the Admiral Akbar things. Yeah. But... I think Tyler wants to talk about the Admiral Akbar. Yeah, things. I do. Yeah, uh, he uh, uh, he showed them to me um, uh, somewhat recently, and well, one byproduct is that I haven't been able to stop thinking about Arby's <laughs> since because there's an Arby's joke that's amazing. Oh, thank you. And Arby's is really good. Uh, it's good mood food. Yeah, it is. So yeah, what uh, what are the Admiral Akbar things? Tell the uh, tell the list. Oh, sure. Like uh, I just I. I I I had for years in my trunk I kept an Admiral Akbar mask like a $70 Admiral Akbar mask like my trunk is always full of like emergency comedy things like right now like I have a full no fucking around B costume hundreds of dollars this because I, I got it for free when a show i worked for got canceled <laughs> and i got so many things that day i will tell you about later but like uh and I was oh I would always be like what am I gonna do with this this mask mm-hmm. like because uh, years ago my friends and I shot this sh- like this wait this like thing called like up too late with Admiral Akbar it was like an Admiral Akbar talk show <laughs> where he would all the all of the punchlines were about it being a trap right but we were like. <laughs> How can we make that last for twenty minutes? <laughs> and like we found a way to do it. Like, um, like you know, we were dedicated. We were like, no, no other jokes. Like, nothing about midichlorians. 
Nothing about like Amidala, Anakin, nothing about Watto. You know how many Watto jokes we wanted to tell? <laughs> so many. Do you know what Watto's official race is? Uh, no. no He's a toy Darian. They put the word toy <laughs> in the name of his race because they were like, fuck, who the fuck cares? Like, whoever assembled the original like expanded universe off the first three like gave us like the stories of like IG-88 and Bossic and like you know the stories of like of like uh, Grand Moff Tarkin when he was just a regular moth like they like really <laughs> they blew them out and then for fucking the expanded universe we all this bullshit did you know that Watto was filled with helium because when you look at Watto, he's got these little wings, but he's a big, fat Jewish stereotype. So, you know, so you're like, how can this big, fat, offensive Shylock character fly with these tiny wings? Helium tummy. Okay. That's the expanding universe we get now. Rich area that I, we could have explored. We were like, no. Only trap jokes. 20 minutes. (laughs) And we did it. And so for years, I had the mask for years. And I was like, what am I going to do? And then finally one night, I was doing Jackie Cason's show, Mm -hmm. uh, who I'm assuming you guys have had on the pod. Oh, yeah. She's the best. And And uh, I've been on her show. Oh. Because I'm nerdy. I'm not a big dork. dork. She would kill you right now. I know. Yeah. Yeah. A dart would hit your neck (laughs) like the dart. That uh, that Django Fett shot into the shape shifting bounty hunter at the end of the chase at, that opened episode two, Attack of the Clones, and right. you would turn into a goofy looking alien, and you would never smoke death sticks again. Absolutely not. Do you remember not. any of them? Do you know what I'm talking about? I well, I do remember that the shapeshifter wore uh, like a mask in spite of being a shapeshifter. Yeah. That's weird. It's Which doesn't make a great deal of sense. Here, no. Here's why I haven't... Why, part of why I haven't been on Jackie Cation shows, because I don't know what you guys are talking about. I saw Attack of the Clones once. I didn't like it. Um, but I'm also... I'm not I'm not a specific dork about anything. I'm sort of a utility dork. Yeah. Like, I can sort of fill mm-hmm. in. And there's a few things, like maybe Buffy, that I know a lot about. Did you watch, like, all of Angel, too? Like, oh, yeah. Buffy oh. and Angel. I've seen them all multiple times. So the, those might be my, my biggest dorkdoms. But I don't think... I'm, I'm sort of a, do- a, a dork of all trades, if you will. I went on and talk- Oddly enough, I didn't talk about movies when I was on her show. I talked about The Riddler and Disneyland. Yeah. That's so, awesome, though. Yeah. The Riddler is really dorky. Yeah. I, I mean, that's great, actually. <laughs> it's like, look, the Joker is cool. Bane is cool. The Riddler, like, that's your dork's rogues villain member quite possibly the best uh, blog i ever wrote for the website was when i talked about why the riddler means so much to me and why he should mean something to everybody who does anything online why does why does he well first off i just for some reason uh, growing up watching the adam west series just frank gorshin as the riddler was amazing yeah and by the way so you don't see him here they're they're in storage at the moment but i have a uh, Dozens of Riddler action figures and stuff. And come August, they're releasing a, uh, a four-figure line of uh, the Adam West series, uh, Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, Riddler, that look like, you know, Cesar Romero, Burgess Meredith. Uh, I don't remember which Catwoman. It's got to be Eartha Kid. Probably, yes. Does the Cesar Romero sure. one even have, like, like, he has a mustache? I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't oh zoom in God. enough. <laughs> I, if not, like, they're doing something wrong. Yeah. But, the, but the Gorshin looks great. Looks spot on. I can't wait. But anyway, um, but yeah, and then uh, then I loved what they did with him in Batman the Animated Series. And uh, as time has gone on, I, I just I always found him tragic. I always liked he was so 
smug and egotistical and so pleased with himself. But that wasn't enough to be pleased with himself. Yeah. Other people needed to be pleased with him. Other people needed to know how smart he was. And speaking as somebody who does two podcasts, <laughs> I can relate to, well, I have movie opinions, but they're not worth anything unless other people hear them. <laughs> and, and then, and I, I even, I equate the tragic element as well, um, as we've experienced recently on, on uh, the blog. Uh, when you put your opinion out there so badly wanting approval from other people or validation, you are also giving them the keys or the tools with which to hurt you. Yes. And so... You know, Riddler needs everyone to know how smart he is, but as the only way to do that is to give them the keys to catch him, and they always do. But he can't stop himself. God damn, that's really sharp. That's a really freaking sharp dissection of the Riddler. I, I mean, had to, I had to all up. that's true. I can't argue with a lick of that. <laughs> well, so, you know about that one issue where like he, like there's like one issue. I think it was like Paul Dini wrote it, or it was of the Batman the animated series, the comic book, where like the Riddler at the beginning just goes like. Hey, Batman, uh, I always leave clues, and that's how you catch me. And so this time, I'm just not going to leave any clues yeah. at all. Yeah, you, you read that and then, and then at the end, he and then he leaves a clue, and Batman catches him, and he's just sitting there. And he's like, I really didn't want to do this. I really didn't. But I did it anyway. And he has, and he says... I think there might be something wrong with me. I might actually be crazy. And he willingly goes to Arkham Asylum. Yeah, it's it's like it it like it reveals he has like an OCD or something. Yeah. That like, you know, it like at some level it's not just like sticking an eye in like authority's face or like, you know, trying to show off how like getting off on how smart he is. It's like this guy's gotta leave clues. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's the thing. And is- Monk is a detective who has OCD and and sees clues that everyone misses. Yeah. So the what if Monk oh went up against god. the Riddler? Oh my god, this has to happen! Absolutely, <laughs> how do we make this happen? All right, so it, it, Monk takes place in San Francisco. So let's say there's a murder at Brennan's that bred the place that invented sourdough bread. Okay, okay, someone fall. Okay, that's okay. So like, know. so but now who's the celebrity? Because there's always a celebrity on Monk. So who plays the Riddler? What what C list celebrity? Oh. Hmm. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah, I'm, I want to say Bruce Boxleitner, <laughs> but I'm sure. Is there any? Let, let's. He might be a little too old. I think at Col- this point. Comfior. Who's Comfior? Is not bad. Who's he's, that? He also might be a little too old though. Uh, Comfior is. Um, he's a tall. Well, I, I'm he trying was, to think what he, I, the thing I leaves to mind is Julie Taymor's Titus. He was he, in Titus. He was in the Insider. He was in Thor. But you don't really see him. He's like the the Ice King. Oh, or he was oh, King Lofi the Frost Giant. In, yeah, yeah, Frost in, Giant. Or yeah. whatever. I'm, I'm not whatever correcting you. Called, I don't yeah. know. His name was King Lofi, uh, in Thor. And yes, that was Colm Fior. But I'll yeah. tell you what. So he should be the the Riddler. Let's no, keep the Colm part. Colomini. Colomini. <laughs> it would be a weird... Just the angry Irish Riddler that we've always wanted for so long. But lovable, too. <laughs> yeah, oh, no. You, you still have affection for him, absolutely. Did you know that the character of Miles O'Brien... We're talking about the guy that played Chief O'Brien, who later became, like, I don't know, Chief Engineer O'Brien on Don Deep Space Nine. But uh, there's an episode of Deep Space Nine I've been thinking about for the past few days, where, like, Colomini gets accused of a crime he didn't commit, and is put in mind jail for 20 years. So, like, you know, it takes eight seconds in real life 
But in his mind, he's in a jail for like 20 years. But he doesn't age 20 years? No. He only it takes ages eight like, seconds. It takes like eight seconds. Exactly. And so like, you know, he comes back and they're like, oh, you were missing for a day. And he's like, I was missing for 20 years. That's amazing. It's terrifying. Right. At like, like, it, and does he kill everyone when he comes out of it? Cause... Oh, he's crazy for a long time. Okay. Keiko, he acts like he hasn't seen Keiko O'Brien for 20 years. You know? Worf? Let's say uh, he's his good friend, Dr. Julian Bashir. <laughs> Imagine not seeing Dr. Bashir for twenty years. Here's Dr. What, B- yes. Okay. Here's what I here's what I really really enjoy about you, Asterios. Oh. Having having watched a number, <laughs> having now experienced it firsthand. <laughs> Bring it out, delicious. <laughs> Let me tuck in my napkin. Whoa. Is. Having seen, having heard you on the Goebbels show, having now seen it live, and seeing your your stand up as well, uh, I do enjoy that your level of of nerdiness. And I apologize if that's yeah, uh, that's offensive. Uh, you just assume everyone. You, just, you maybe you don't assume it. You just proceed as though everyone knows exactly what you're talking about obviously something Bashir I think you said Dr. Julian Bashir obviously the genetically yes. enhanced chief medical officer of Deep Space Nine which used like... to be called Terok Dor when it was under Cardassian control I'm this is nothing you guys know do you have I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a former mining station Terok Nor. One of the farthest points in the Alpha Quadrant, the gateway to the Delta Quadrant. You guys don't know about Terok Nor. Do you know about Impak Nor? The How? the the parallel universe Terok Nor? Is it conceivable in- to you that I would know about Impak Nor and not Terok? <laughs> yes, clearly. Uh, you guys just might be big buffs of the mirror universe continuity. <laughs> So my question is, do yes. you talk to, say, your grandmother like this? Do oh, you talk to her about Dr. Julian Bashir? Absolutely. <laughs> I have no idea how many times my grandma's been like, Asterios, I get it. Babylon 4 was taken into a wormhole so it could be used as a staging platform to fight the shadows in the future. Oh, would you like more pound cake? And I'm like, yes, I would, grandma. Thank you. That sounds pretty good, actually. So I just, okay, I want to make sure that we've we've got this straight. Sure. You spoke with... I think a fair amount of authority on Star Wars. Uh, You've gone into Star Trek now. Yeah. A few different uh, worlds of Star Trek series, whatever. Yeah, but not the funniest one. Not Voyager. I and, don't know enough about Voyager. Okay. And it that, haunts that's, the, me. that's the punchline in the Trekkie, pardon me, Trekker universe. I don't care about that. Okay. Sorry. Anyone that does has way too much time on their hands. <laughs> and I'm a guy that, I know. that, knows, that <laughs> has a lot of it. <laughs> yeah. That's the guy who just said everything he just said. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but I do know that uh, that Voyager is is the punchline, and I'm not sure why. Like, do you know enough about it to know why people don't like it? Oh yeah, I gave it a long. Star Trek built so much credibility up with me and with everybody. Like, look, there's plenty of bad episodes of Deep Space Nine. There's plenty of bad episodes of Next Gen. Like, and obviously, there's a lot of bad episodes of TOS. But you could cut TOS a lot more slack. But like. I gave Voyager like three seasons to get good, and it's just it's just really bad. It's it's like um you know what J. Michael Straczynski actually said it best, the creator of Babylon Five. Um, 
he said like, hey, you know how we've been spending decades building this universe full of awesome characters like the Ferengi, the Cardassians, the Romulans, the Klingons, the Federation? Like, what if we made a show that used none of it? And Voyager takes place like, it's lost in space meets Star Trek. It takes place, they get thrown 75 years away in at Warp 9 from the Federation. So it's just all this shit you don't care about, and everybody's dumb, and they do dumb things, and all the alien races they meet are dumb, and it's just like, and you know, they get thrown into the, the Beta Quad, the Delta Quadrant, I think, and which is like the home of the Borg. So eventually... Like the whole like event like eventually like you get to see the Borg. But then like Captain Janeway at one point like has the chance to destroy all of the Borg, but she doesn't, so the Borg can help her get home. And it's like, we gotta do something about these Borg. Like <laughs> they are they are you they are adding everybody's biological and technological distinctiveness to their own. Have you guys heard about this? Yeah, I have actually heard about that. It's terrible. <laughs> the only two people we own Borgify Captain McCard and a super hot lady. <laughs> Seven of nine. <laughs> I'd love to beat nine of nine. Oh, more like <laughs> ten out of ten. Oh, my. I, uh, anyway. How long, <laughs> how long was Voyager on? How many seasons did it run? Six. Jeez. I don't know. So I, it, got, it, it didn't end when it wanted. They wanted to keep going. It got, they, they pulled the plug on it. But I mean, for a show that is apparently disrespected by so many people it clearly had enough viewers to sustain it oh to keep bringing it back but remember when See, you know, were... already i've gotten confused which one is the one with scott Bakula? is that enterprise yeah enterprise. which is worse. i forgot yeah and i heard bad things about that one as well yeah enterprise is just is just bad and because it's again it's like it's like all right now because at least the delta quadrant has the borg and two ferengi that got lost from an episode of deep space nine but uh but then it's like the past is a prequel. It's like no one wants. Just make the Enterprise F. Just do it. Like, just do. We there's all these wonderful races and characters that you could meet, and it's like, no. What if it took place before any of that? So what Enterprise does is it takes a lot of technology and from Star Trek, and it turns them into premises. It's like, hey, you know how like we have a transporter that like works fine in Star Trek. What if this transporter wasn't so good? And like, there's like an episode where like the transporter, like it's actually kind of gross. Like these guys are caught up in like a dust storm and like a like all these twigs. And then when they get beamed up, there's like all these twigs sticking out of their bodies. Are they still alive? Yeah, they all need like immediate surgery and whatever. I think they all live, but it's like that's not an episode. That's horrifying. That's just a thing, you know. Where it'll be like, hey, Cronenbergian. It's dark. It was super dark, you know. But it's like that's not. That's just like a what? It's like oh, okay. Or it's like with shuttlecraft. It's like hey, you know how like shuttlecraft they push a bunch of buttons on a console. Like what? Well, these guys have joysticks. What do you do? (laughs) Who cares? And then Scott Bakula is a huge fucking puss in the show. Are there, Unwatchable. Are there aliens under Enterprise? Yeah, there's aliens or whatever. I'm sure they meet the Klingons for the first time and fuck it up. Or <laughs> like, you know, I'm sure the like they, you know, because it, it takes place after first contact. What did they make first contact with the Vulcans? So there's like a hot lady Vulcan on the show. But it's like, oh, God. And I love I love Quantum Leap. Like, I would watch it right now instead of talking to you guys. No offense. <laughs> I love Quantum Leap. 
It still haunts me that he never makes the leap home. Yeah. You thanks know? a lot, Bruce McGill. Yeah, thanks so much, Donald P. Belisario. <laughs> the only thing sorry about it, the only thing sorrier than the name Belisario is the ending to Quantum Leap. <laughs> but the books, maybe he gets home in the books. They made books. Sure. There's an expanded Quantum Leap universe. And that brings me to my point. <laughs> Nerds. We'll watch anything. <laughs> like, why are there six seasons of Voyager and four seasons of Enterprise? Because it's on. <laughs> like, it's like, because I don't have any friends. Because it's Star Trek and it's on. Exactly. Yes, exactly. You know, it's like, remember when you were young? Like, you would just watch episode after episode of Saved by the Bell. I guess I would. In, uh, I, it, was never, it was never for me. Really? I'm, I'm sorry. You had taste. What did you watch a lot of as a kid? Uh, let's see. I watched. Uh... Yeah, were we watching Blackadder at uh, eight years old? <laughs> you probably love when they all got wiped out at the end of that one episode that took place in World War One. <sighs> <laughs> Loved it, didn't okay, you? Let's Asterios, get back. What have you not seen? Um, I've seen only like one episode of Doctor Who, but I loved it. Oh, okay, it was all great. Right. I've seen more episodes of Doctor Who than you have. I'm sure. There's because I've watch seen everything. Two. Oh, two hundred, a hundred percent more. In fact, <laughs> here's what I saw. I saw. Well, I guess I I could be said that I've seen three because I watched the um, two part episode, The Impossible Astronaut, which was amazing. And I previously I watched what I think was the last David Tennant episode, which is actually a special called The Waters of Mars. Oh. Uh, those I'm not a, I don't know much about Doctor Who, but I can heartily recommend both The Waters of Mars and The Impossible Astronaut. They're both awesome. So I know that seriously. We... Sorry, The Impossible Astronaut is one of the craziest, coolest things I've ever seen on TV. So I really actually do want to uh, recommend that. Okay. So we've been we've been on TV for a while, and we'll move on to movies. Should we go to the in, Star Trek in movies? theory? Smart. But first, I did want to throw this out there, and I'm nervous to do so because okay. I feel like we're heading. Into dark waters here. The other the day, pirates of dark water. Let's talk. What was the deal? <laughs> God damn it! Oh no! I know I can remember. Oh, uh, noise, you tot. There you go. One listener to this that knows the pirates of dark water cartoon. When they got upset, they'd say noise, you tot. And when the princess got upset, she'd say noise, you tata. All right, let's keep going. I'm so sorry. That's all right. I was. I'm aware of Pirates of Dark Waters. But do you remember I, their I, catchphrases? I don't remember Pirates I, of Dark Waters. You know what? I don't even remember it now that you said it. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, no, I was busy watching Peter Pan and the Pirates, featuring uh, Tim Curry as the voice of Captain Hook. Cool. Emmy nominated. Anyway, uh, that was a good show. I don't know any of this stuff. <laughs> but um, I know this is a this is a fun, this is a fun episode because all this stuff is. You're challenging me to like really come up with things, but and I have no memory. We we talked about it before when we talked about um, when we had Ian Brill on. We were talking about Darkwing Duck, and I I said, "Oh, I'm a big fan of Darkwing Duck." And then you guys, <laughs> you and Ian, started talking about Darkwing Duck, and I was like, "Oh, I apparently don't remember any of this." Did you guys talk about that song that turned out to be a code from the pilot? No, I don't remember oh, the pilot. Of I Dark remember Wing when Duck. I was a kid. Ah, look. Let's not get too... <laughs> you're, you're taking us down another rabbit yeah, hole. What I, what I was going to say is... Cause, and this could, boss, uh, by the way, come from either of you, sure. uh, a response. Uh, I finally watched the first episode of the miniseries of Battlestar Galactica. For Great. The, Keep I've going. Not, I've not seen any of it. Uh, so I watched that because I just threw it on. And uh, Here's the thing. And, Unless uh, you are, and this might offend Asterix, because I don't know where he stands on this. 
unless you are one of those douches who thinks not being satisfied by the ending of Lost makes the whole six seasons of Lost uh, worthless, unless you're one of those people, please continue with Battlestar Galactica. Are you saying it doesn't end well? In my opinion, it ends worse than Lost. But I hate I hate the last episode of Battlestar Galactica it, pretty wow. much. But only 15 minutes of it. I mean, it's that space battle know, is the, dope. The whole, you know, you're right. But that's, does it turn uh, turn out to be a dream? The whole, but no. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, the whole back, like second ten episodes of that final season, I have a problem. I, I felt like it's almost the opposite of what you were saying about Voyager, where they got cut off early. I felt like Battlestar Galactica could have used a fifth season. They could have. I felt like the the, the fourth season seems overstuffed and rushed, and and they're just like hurtling towards this resolution and while it's good that they get to come to a resolution because so many shows don't i felt like the show was popular enough it probably could have gotten a fifth <laughs> season and they could have taken their time getting to where they needed to be and I, I, it would have been more satisfying for me so it's not just the last 15 minutes although it is mostly the last 15 minutes it is that the whole last 10 episodes are uh, are problematic for me no you're right i mean it's not like the show peaks and then i don't know crests i don't know math like uh you know uh that's oceanography i think <laughs> no it's, it's the it, you plot it i don't know anyway you know so, more about math than i do clearly <laughs> I, don't, I didn't know there was any math in the ocean um oh it's all math let me take you on a journey <laughs> um but uh, no you know what honestly i would say i don't i think the the movie the two-hour miniseries is bad i don't like the i don't like that that was the first you thing like i watched it? yeah I, I i liked it quite a bit i know which which is then you're really gonna love the series because i remember okay. watching it and being like everyone says this is good and this is bad like um but then the pilot 33 the next episode yes. is one of my favorite That's episodes of, of bad and it's yeah. it's so cool that like kind of like cheers was another example of that like a show I mean, I guess you don't, you wouldn't qualify. You'd qualify the miniseries as the pilot, but I'd say like it's a backdoor pilot. Like the first episode of Cheers is like one of the best episodes of Cheers, and like the first episode of Battlestar Galactica is one of the best episodes of Battlestar Galactica. Um, I think the it's, first could, not miniseries episode. Could exactly. I have, could I have conceivably skipped the miniseries and just gone straight yes, to the pilot? Absolutely. I don't think so. Okay. It's so entertaining. Regard like you may not know everything that's happening, but like you'll figure it out, and it's all super fun. Like you know. But I'm sorry, you, you know. I just think I mean there's stuff that happens in uh I'm thinking particularly of and I'm trying I guess you would have seen this uh you know uh Hilo giving up his spot on the yeah. transport yeah, that was for a, for uh, that was a neat scene. for Baltar Gaius Baltar Gaius, yeah, like yeah. I I think that's you're getting some roots of the characters in scenes like that that I think are for, from a character point of view, I think are important. Can I tell you the... Uh, you're, you're not wrong about that. No, not at all wrong. Here's a, here's a nine-year-old complaint. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Wait, complaint is not is... nine years old. This is this is the nine-year-old inside me complaining oh, okay. about this. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Cylons walk in, and I was familiar with, what, with the old design, because I used to go to Universal Studios when I was a kid, and uh, they would be walking around. And um, Do you know, um, sometime... In a week or two, I think the Egyptian or someone is showing the original like Battlestar Galactica, like the the two 70s hour one. Yeah, but the two hour the one that was re added into a movie. Hmm. They're showing it at the Egyptian. Oh, and that's the worst shit I've ever seen. <laughs> I've never seen it. It's so I tried just real quick. I tried to watch the original Battlestar Galactica movie because, like its predecessor, it was a back. It was a movie that was like a backdoor pilot that got turned into a series. And uh, oh man. Like minute five, like there, all the all these planets die in like an apocalypse. Like 
Minute 35, Starbuck and Apollo are on a date with two space prostitutes, like <laughs> showing them a good time in the observatory. And it's like, everyone, your mom just died, Apollo. <laughs> Apollo, your mom died. What are you doing, Apollo? Well, you know, you got to you got to try to ignore you got to life goes on stairs is what i'm saying <laughs> so what is your little kid complaint yeah so i see the cylons walk in and uh and my first thought is awesome because i'm i'm aware of the old design they have updated it and it may, and they make it clear from like a, you see a sketch or, or a photo or something of of an old one it's like okay well there's it's been 40 years mm-hmm. they have upgraded since then so this is kind of awesome yeah and uh but they still main they still retain aspects of that old design that's really neat. Good for them. Uh, and then, again, this is this is based on just the first episode of the miniseries. Uh, but then the, the the woman, the Cylon in sheep's clothing, uh, <coughs> she she comes on. And my first Trisha Helfer, maybe the most successful <coughs> model turned actress story ever. Yeah, because she's the best actress. She's so great. She's she really very good yeah. in, what I, so in what I saw. And you'll see, like, she plays nine different characters, and like, eventually, and they're all different, and she's good as all of them are good. Yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued by the character, don't get me wrong. However, I want to see robots. I want to see more of those, oh, and, yeah. and, it, and part of me is like, am I going to just see, am I just going to fucking see, like, people saying they're robots? I want to see the awesome-looking Cylons. There are robots. Oh. Alright. And you have no idea how pleased you'll be, especially if you uh, get the movie Razor, or if you see the last episode, like okay. there are, like there are so many robots, and there are robots that will please you to the uh, till until the to infinity and beyond. These robots, you will love these robots. That you're okay, gonna see. I don't want to spoil it. Um, All right, but you know yeah. what I'm talking about. I, 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 I liked Razor, um, which was that was a between seasons like movie they did. That was uh, anyway. That'll be a spoiler to talk about what it was. Yeah. Do you happen to know if that but, is on Netflix? I, like, I think it's all on. Is it Netflix. on? Okay. okay. Yeah. But I didn't watch The Plan. Oh. I heard that was not very good, which was what? another one they did uh, that I think was like after. I can't remember what oh, it was. Oh, I saw that. That's fine. Did you watch Caprica? I love Caprica. I, but I thought I didn't thought Razor was just okay, honestly. I thought I didn't. It's like I, those were all fine. The I, I just think uh, Razor, maybe it's just a sort of like, uh, yeah, it's like a, a nerdy, like, it's this thing like I'm trying, to, I'm trying to talk about what happens in Razor or what it's about without spoiling yeah. stuff but it's like something that while watching the show you were probably like I wonder what was happening then yeah this whole time and then you get that sort of nerd like that it hits that that brain impulse that 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 pleasure center of of I get to see what was happening and I get to go deeper into the story which is a very strong nerd impulse and I think that's why I liked Razor it just sort of on a base level just answered questions that didn't need answering but that I was curious about no it's 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 cool it's kind of like if imagine they'd handled the clone wars correctly like you know you hear about the clone wars for mm-hmm. years and you're like oh these clone wars sound dope and it's like when you see them they're terrible but it's like yeah it, it, I know what you're saying like you know you've been hearing about this thing for a while and then when you see it honestly it was too what it was it was too dark for me yeah i was like oh i don't want to see all this murder i'm trying to watch tv here. <laughs> like, i don't want to see super murder so let's uh, uh, we're getting closer to movies with tv movies like, yeah like and we are Razor. over an hour over in. an hour in let's talk, talk about star trek into darkness you wanted to talk about it before no. we started Oh, sure. And I, and I would like to talk uh, about it. I haven't it. seen it, but you can spoil it. I would like to talk about it uh, since we are an hour in. Like, maybe we can try to be done in 20 minutes because I got to go. I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay, so we'll go 20 minutes and then we'll wrap up. Okay. Um, good. All right. 
And like Walter Winchell, so, maybe you're you're having to go to the bathroom and make you talk quick. I think and it is. <laughs> we should say from this point out, spoilers for Star Trek Into Darkness. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I wanted to talk about it uh, framed as uh, a discussion of the new movies and the old movies because I I I'd seen all of the Star Trek movies. I hadn't seen Insurrection or Nemesis. No. Um, but as far as like the original cast and all of that, uh, you know. Uh, I saw those not necessarily because I was a big fan of them, but because my dad and brother were big fans. And so I just watched it with them. And um, I remember really liking, because I saw it in the theater at the time, I really liking, really liking um, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, featuring uh, Christopher Plummer. Yeah. With and Michael Dorn. Yeah. With an eye patch uh, basically bolted to his skull, which yeah. is awesome. Um, but I remember really liking that. And um, But I do know having seen the new movies and the old movies that the old movies are much more uh, contemplative and quiet and a little bit more, if you'll pardon me, har- uh, slightly harder sci-fi than the new movies are, which one could say are much more similar to just star Wars in general. Yeah. And so as somebody who is now I'm, I was more of a star Wars fan than a star Trek fan growing up. So I'm predisposed to liking the new movies, which I do. You not unlike Paul Goebel, are f- you are a fan of the original series and the original movies. And I know he loves the new movie and considers it flawless, which is overstating it. But uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of the new movie specifically in relation to the old movies? Like, oh, are you okay with it being totally yeah. different? Or? Well, I'm okay. Just looking at Star Trek 10 or 1, or 11, I don't know, whatever. Look, J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. From 2009. From 2009, I think is awesome. I think it's a better movie than the new one. Hmm. Um, I think it is, I don't want to say it's perfect, but I think it's, like, near flawless. Like, it, especially if you're a writer, like, it crams so much exposition and so much origin story into such an entertaining framework. Um, and, you know, and I think, uh, what's his name? The guy that plays Nero. It's like I want Spock dead now. Oh, Eric, like Eric Bana. Eric yeah. Bana is great. I think he's awesome. Like he has, I think he probably has like four scenes. Yeah. It's like that, if you look at him, that as I a think villain. that I think is one of the flaws of the movie is, and I think that's why a lot of people say the new one is is better. I I don't know which one I like more, but just like if you've got a really strong force to work against, it can make a big difference. And Nero is not nearly as forceful as yeah. uh, as. We already said spoilers. Yeah, all right, yeah, but they have work to do. It's like they've got to like get Kirk. They got to get him in an ensign, and then blah blah. It's like they have all that set up. To it's like I, you know, it would yeah. But it's like you can't do everything. I right. think they. It's like if you're gonna do it, they did it. The, like if you want more Nero, I think it's the kind of thing where you gotta have less Scotty or less Chekhov or less like you know. I can see some douche being like. Let's just really have this be the Bones, Spock, Kirk movie. I guess a her will be our girl. They would probably say they're a douche, this person. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Jim Paramount. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then we'll have the other, and then we'll flesh out the other guys later, you know. But it's like, yeah, give everyone a sequence, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, like, you know, yeah, those those original movies are, are really con- con- contemplative, but they star trek was and it's like and then there was like no star trek for a while 
And so, again, like, I don't mind that it's super kinetic, you know? Mm -hmm. Did it bother you that it was really kinetic? Like, Well, it didn't didn't bother me. I just, I view them as just different things. Yeah. Not unlike uh, the the new uh, Sherlock Holmes movies, which, admittedly, they basically took the deductive powers of Sherlock Holmes and made it easy for him to predict fights that he's in. Like, they kind of boiled it down to that, which is unfortunate. But... uh, it's just the thing that Wait, gets. I me, like those movies. Sort though. of. Those movies are super watchable. Yeah, I, I really like. He's them. got some sort of like super like fight autism. Yes, or some sort of. Yeah, like he can he can predict. He's yep. He can basically. It goes sort of inside his mind, and you hear him thinking and saying basically, "I'll do this, and they will naturally do this, and so I will counter with that." And the sequences are actually some of the best in the movie. He does uh, what Jack Reacher does. Well, Where you, Jack Reed is like, I'm going to do this, 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 and that. You know, like he, you, where Jack Reed breaks down everything he's going to do, and he does it. It's like it's very similar. Do you? Um, I know Tyler didn't. Did you watch Fringe? No, because there was an episode in like season three or four uh, where there was a guy who's like essentially his power was that he could see all possible outcomes, and so he could make crazy stuff. So he essentially kills a guy by setting a pen on a mailbox and walking away. And then, like, a series of things happened, and, like, the guy gets run over by a truck or something. Is he called, like, the Rube Culprit killer? <laughs> I, I, I don't, they didn't do that sort of thing. <laughs> I don't think Damn they came it. up with names. But, uh, anyway, that was a cool They would have done it on the X-Files. But the thing that, the thing that gets me is, because uh, I'm, I'm a fan of uh, Sherlock Holmes, the, the books, and I, I think it's, it's very interesting. But not, okay, unlike, I'll say this, unlike the Star Wars movies, or, or what, what uh, George Lucas did when he with the, what do you call them, the special editions or, or whatever, where he put those out there and then you can't get the originals unless you get a really crappy, scratchy print of them. Um, you know, the new Star Trek, I, I've read online people be like, this is not true to the spirit of Star Trek. It's like, well, it's a good thing you still have all of those shows and all of those movies. You have them at, at your disposal at any point. Yeah. You know, it's exactly. just, and, and I could be pissed off about like, oh, that's not, you know, that's not Sherlock Holmes. It's like, yeah, no, it isn't. It's, it's a Sherlock Holmes. You still have yours. You can still go back to Basil Rathbone and, and all those people. And it's fine. Plus, we've got Benedict Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller doing Sherlock yeah. on TV. Yeah, exactly. there's a lot of things we You're, can, we can. You got your Sherlock covered, Warners. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, just, I think that's always people that want to like act smart. I don't know what that's like. Like, I, it's people that want... It's people that want... It, it's, it's like some, there's something about being a hater that is like... I'm pointing out how stupid this is to point to show how smart I am. Like, you know, uh, those Sherlock Holmes movies are just... They're just pop... It's beauty popcorn. You watch, you watch Robert Downey Jr. be cool. And mm-hmm. then you go home. You know? Uh, like, if you want to see people discussing like a moral quandary... You can put together like a supercut that would probably be like days long of Star Trek characters considering a problem from every moral angle. Like you could do it. You know when you do that when you don't have any money. It's like it's like a lot right. of Doctor Who is so cool because it's people trying to figure out how to how to turn something how to put something together with eight dollars? Uh-huh. Like the one episode of Doctor Who I've seen, it was the one that was written by uh, the guy that wrote um, the guy that wrote uh, the Sandman, Neil, Neil Gaiman. Gaiman. Yeah, yeah, and it's super. Who also du- co-wrote the aforementioned Beowulf movie? Oh yeah, exactly. Um, and it's so 
entertaining because it's clear they had like a set. And then, like, they had these, like, curtains that they could put on the set that would make the set look different. (laughs) And, like, you know, they use, like, they make the TARDIS look like eight different things. And it's, like... I'm like I, it's just impressive, you know. But uh, but anyway, that reminds me. We talked yeah? about we talked about Angel. Um, as Angel went on, it would like it, they kept cutting its its budget. Yeah. And having worked on the Paramount lot and watching Angel now, like yeah. how much of the, how much of their version of Los Angeles is just like dressing some sort of corner of the Paramount lot in a different way. I think they turned the lobby of the Paramount Theater into a sporting goods store <laughs> in the season four finale. <laughs> Uh, anyway, no, it's, it's, exactly. It's it's like it's like some of your most creative sci-fi is going to come from that kind of problem solving. It's like if they had millions of dollars to spend on all these episodes, there'd be eight million laser fights. Like, <laughs> like I heard that like one of the reasons that they that they can't go to war, like there's always like a problem with the warp engines in TNG or something like oh we can't go to warp we're caught in a gravitational matrix or like some <laughs> shit and I heard like going to warp was super expensive <laughs> like it was like they couldn't go to warp like there's never like a, I'm a huge fan of Red Letter Media and like Harry there, Plinkett and that is as I've said on this show before that is simultaneously some of the funniest and most insightful criticism you'll ever hear. Oh, yeah. It's astounding how they managed to be both at the same time. Yes. It's so entertaining. I've watched, like, like you know, kind of like all nerds, like, I have, like, slight, uh, not autistic, what's the other thing? This is, the, like, Asperger's, Asperger's. tendencies. Um, and so I have watched a lot of those red, media, letter, red, red, uh, red letter media things like 30 times. Like, I'll just, like, have it on while I'm driving. Or, like, I'll just, like, fall asleep. I just love it. It's so insightful. But, uh, but anyway, um, you know... So uh, Red Letter Media pointed out that there was like never a full on battle between the uh, the the Enterprise and a Romulan warbird. Like they'd exchange pot shots here or there, but there was never like a fight to the death battle between the Enterprise and a Romulan ship. And it's because that was expensive. So instead of that, you you play the tension of it. Tension's uh-huh. free. Like tension doesn't <laughs> cost anything. You know. But the you know I think that. It kind. Of, I think that Star Trek Two kind of. I remember the moment when I'm watching Star Trek Two where I'm kind of like, "Oh, this isn't as good as the first one." Is the see? There's a sequence where they have to where like they're doing surgery on a torpedo, which is fine. They do mm-hmm. that in the first one, and like Bones's hand gets caught in it, and a thirty second timer starts. And if they can't defuse the torpedo in thirty seconds, he dies. And I think that's like the third race against the clock in the movie like to save a crewman yeah it's the third and it would it is not the last no there are several more (laughs) yeah yeah it is and it's one of those it's like okay well maybe on maybe on these little missions and stuff you run across this a lot but after a certain point and it's done with such filmmaking skill that you don't realize it until maybe afterwards. In the moment, you're like, oh, no, Bones. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's true. But just, That's I don't true. want Bones to die. He's by far the most interesting character. <laughs> He's the best actor in this series. And it's just, but but it is one of those things. As time is, because I mean, I got I got wrapped up in the new one and I just really thought, and I, I was familiar with uh, uh, Wrath of Khan. And so I knew some, I, I knew the way they inversed, you know, who died and and that sort of thing. That, that was cool. I thought. I thought it was. I thought it was really great. Uh, and, I mean, and maybe it's maybe it's kind of a cop out 
uh, bringing that person back to life. Oh, the, without a whole. Spo- you'll see. Look, if you I you had a bounce, you, you had months to see it. David said, "Yeah, yeah." Look, yeah, the super the super blood that they used to bring him back. I remember, like as soon as he dying, I like turned to the person next to me. I went, "It's a good thing they've got that super blood." <laughs> <laughs> Just to be a dick, you know. Um, yeah, you know. Now, aside from uh, you just confessing to talking in the theater, uh, I agree with you. It's they, uh, yeah, and they really, and then, they really hang a lantern on that. Like yeah. they, they emphasize it like three times, and just like, man, we all, everyone, we all knew exactly what you were gonna do the minute you started to hint at it. Yep. But that's the thing is, and and I think more so, more than anything else, that's the kind, that's the difference between this movie and an one of the original Star Trek movies is I think in the originals. I think they assumed audience intelligence. Yeah. This one, they don't think you're stupid, but it's a blockbuster, and we need we need to make sure we don't leave anybody behind. And so they, uh, so you get a little bit more of that, and it's 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 not a it's not a make or break thing for me, but it is just like oh, that right there, they would not have done that in the original. All right. No, you're that's oh, I'm sorry, that's really well observed. I'm sorry. I'm. Uh, I have to be the uh, the bad guy and start wrapping things up. No, I have to go to the bathroom so bad. You have no idea. <laughs> Some of your favorite movies, real quick. Oh sure. Um, I uh, Rushmore is my was my one of my favorite movies because I was very much like Max Fisher in that I was the president of like six clubs and I got terrible grades. Um, <laughs> and I was like in love with my Spanish teacher. Wow. And really specific. It, it was crazy. I remember watching that movie and like... And you fought this middle-aged man for her. It really... <laughs> I, I cut his brakes, all right. But he died. Um, I remember like... Yeah, I just remember watching that for the first time and crying in the theater being like, oh my God, I need to make some changes. I, <laughs> like, I, I saw me. that movie with my dad. Yeah. And on the drive home, my dad was like... You know, Tyler, that guy, that kid's a lot like you. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. But I think he meant it in a good way. <laughs> You're the president of the podcast club. Yeah. You have two podcasts. Um, other movies I really dig. Uh, you know, obviously I really like the the Wars and the Treks. Um, I really like uh, like The Matrix. I like all of all of Wes Anderson's movies. I, I saw The World Ten of Them seven times in the span, in the theater, like I saw it again the next day, and I saw it again the day after that. I spent so much money on the movie; I cried every time. It was amazing, <laughs> and I I really love. Uh, I think Moon Moonrise Kingdom is his best movie. Yeah, mm. it's so sharp. It's so concise. It's like he takes all the lessons. It's like it, it's like the thesis statement of his film career, and that like. Now now his exposition is like, it's not a t- 10-minute montage sequence. It's like a line of dialogue. like Or like a, a, a costume choice is like, a, says worlds about someone. So it's just super skillfully made. I now, neither, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of Wes Anderson in general. I love Fantastic Mr. Fox, though. I, I like That's him good. a lot. Oddly enough, I was not a huge fan of Moonrise Kingdom. There are aspects of it, specifically the two kids, I thought were wonderfully written and wonderfully yeah. played. And obviously, you can't go. You cannot talk about it without saying that that main kid looks like Josh Fatem. So, yeah, he does. And and apparently, Fatem has heard that like a million times. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, uh, where can people find you on the oh, internet? Sure, you can go to asteriosconos dot com. I would suggest Let's spell that. I would suggest just googling. Like, try to try to spell the word Asterios and Google it. 
and I should pop up. Or like, stereo's comedy. Like, do your best. Um, <laughs> A-S-T-E-R-I-O-S-K-O-K-K-I-N-O-S dot com. You, you know, rewind and listen to that again. Yeah. <laughs> um, at twitter.com slash Asterios, uh, Admiral Akbar's ads.com. And you can actually, this your listeners would love this. You can go to presidentbaby.com, uh, which I think will take you to my website now. But click on the President Baby link because a few years ago, I got paid to go to the uh, the Hollywood Pitch Fest which is this thing... I was just there last weekend. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I pitched a bunch of terrible fake movies and tape-recorded executives' notes on them. <laughs> and, like, like long story short, I pitched... It was the year that Iron Man came out, and I pitched Iron Man to someone. And, like, they don't know what it is, and they think it's terrible. Like, I call it Metal Man. <laughs> And but then eventually I'm like, what if it's Iron Man? What if it's a movie about an Iron Man called Iron Man? And the guy's like, I just can't see America wanting to see this movie. And so you know, hopefully you'll 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 like it, movie fans. That sounds delightful, and I, yeah. and I had not uh, heard of it until just now. So this is very exciting. You can find us at battleshippretension.com. That's where you can find this podcast and all the other podcasts in the fleet, including uh, where you can buy the premium episode with Bill Dwyer, which is worth it, buck twenty nine. It's nothing. Uh, you can email us. Oh, you can also find all sorts of movie reviews. Uh, this week, this is one of those weeks where I Man. see movies over like a... But I... Uh, like, of the eight reviews on the site, five of them are mine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I had a big writing week. Um, but... And there's just a lot of reviews up this week. A lot of reviews, yeah. And um, uh, basically, of my reviews, I can say, do go see the Morton Downey Jr. documentary because it's awesome. Uh, skip the Purge. But read my review. No shit, skip the <laughs> Um And that's at battleshipretention.com. You can email us, David at battleshipretention.com or Tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the pretension. I'm sorry, at the pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at more lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. Okay, so a couple things. Number one, uh, we have a new mini-sode out right now where Josh and I talk about network. Uh, next week, which is to say, by the time this comes out, there'll be a couple of, uh, it'll be a couple days, and then a discussion of Bully, uh, the documentary, okay. is going to be up. Uh, and I did also want to take the opportunity to say that if you have not listened to Hey Watch This, which is David's show with Paul Goebel, uh, please take the time to do so. I enjoy it quite a bit. Okay. Thank you for saying that. That's very nice. Um, and uh, yeah, Hey Watch This is my other podcast. Uh, this week, we'll be talking about... The season three premiere of The Killing, which is two hours that I'm not getting back. We will also be talking about season three, episode nine of Game of Thrones, The Reigns of Castamere, which if you've been on the internet this week, you know, should be a fun discussion because it is, I honestly think, and you don't watch the show. No. I imagine a lot of our listeners do. I just seem like, it just seems like we're sort of in that uh, demographic, but it will probably go down as one of the most memorable and talked about episodes of television Ever. Yeah, certainly uh, certainly seems to be... I think it's gotten that already. It's it's achieved that already. Like, yeah. once television is over, once everyone has just decided, okay, we're done with this, uh-huh. uh, I don't think it will... And people reflect back on it. I think, yes, I think they will say, no, this, this, is, this day is when it peaked. <laughs> uh, discussion of television online. This yeah. is the day it peaked. Yeah. 
So, um, Asterios, thank you for being on the show. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> thank you at home for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.